This is MJ Munoz. You are listening to Story Over Everything, the chronicles of an author, artist, and analyzer. You can find all my work at mjmunoz.com. This session, I am going to be working on the prompt, Can I Write a Series by Bullet Points? And uh, this is a continuation of the last episode where I struggled mightily to come up with a story of a sympathetic hunter. And the truth is, I do have a sympathetic hunter or, yes, I do have a protagonist who is a hunter who you're supposed to feel sympathetic for, and I have an arc for this character overall, or for this character, I'm going to say model or archetype or lineage, let's say that, uh, throughout this superhero universe I'm creating, and uh, I'm definitely, uh, you know, I personally don't hunt right now, but if I had to defeat my family, I would, but uh, I think sport hunting is a little interesting, uh, and, uh, you know, but if you want to do it, you know, you're free to, it's just... Uh, it's interesting, and most people don't like it, or <laughs> many popular people. The the, the Vox Popula, uh, and by that I mean not the voice of the people, but the, the popular uh, idea out there in society pushed by whoever it's pushed by, is that hunting makes you bad and evil, and I don't agree with that. Uh, I think there's definitely a place for it, and um, that's a little bit of what I'm going to explore with this hunter idea. But I am straying very far from the format, which is to start off, first of all, by telling you all about... Well, I already told you about the prompt I'm going to be working on, which is actually this pl- planning the whole series uh, in bullet points. Um, I don't know how many books we're going to go for, but we're at least going to start with one and then expand from there. But uh, anyway, I'm supposed to tell you my work in progress and my status on all of my current books. So, uh, Growbug, uh, book, uh, the Growbug series, uh, I have... Uh, well, anyway, you can look at the finer details, but basically, this is my forward progress. I'm not going to tell you all the things that I'm failing to do or, or not moving forward on at the moment. So, uh, here we go. Uh, I have... I was supposed to have finished the remaining uh, sp- spreads doing thumbnail sketches for them for my artist. Uh, that would be spread 7 through 16. And I failed to meet that uh, target. I was able to... Um, so yeah, back for on the 28th, I had to sign myself, because I hadn't finished it yet, to do uh, spread 7 through 16. I didn't get that. I'm three weeks late on having my thumbnails ready, so that's not great. I, I hope that as I continue to work on this uh, and work at this, this is my sixth week really seriously uh, taking time every single week to reflect on what I'm doing and make sure I'm moving the ball down the court, so to speak. Uh, I'm hoping that, you know, within a couple of weeks, couple more weeks or at least, you know, a couple months after I'm done or over the first two to three months of doing this, I will have a, uh, a much more finely honed discipline that'll, or diligence that'll push me to, to get things done in a more timely manner. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, however, that is a goal of this project. Um, but I'm still behind. I will be four weeks late next week. So one whole month late. I did, however, do spread seven through 14. So pretty good. Uh, 15 and 16, it was like walls of text I was looking at because they're very long pages, very wordy pages, and I don't quite know what to draw for them, and I was kind of pressed for time, so I said, you know what, I'll do those next week, I guess, Um, especially because I want to get this out on Friday. Well, I want to finish recording it 100% on Friday and then get it published uh, Saturday night after uh, after Darkness Falls. So anyway, uh, that's what I've done this week. Um, For next week, uh, which will be... Which will be, oh, you know, I don't have the date, but for the next week, which is going to be uh, 11-11, oh, interesting date. For 11-11, I want to have finished uh, spreads 15 and 16, and, and, because that's not that much work to do, I want to get photographs taken, 
uh, or scan, do scans or something like that, um, one or the other really, and create a, a, uh, a reference package or document to send to an artist. So ideally what I'd like to do is format it so that the messy thumbnail shows up uh, as well, maybe I'll do small text, I don't know, as well as the, um, like in an, er in an area on a page, I'll have my artwork and I'll have the descriptions and the text for that one page. And maybe I'll do page by page and for the double page spreads, maybe I'll just keep it, I don't know what I'll do for that. Maybe it'll have to be two pages the artist will have to put together, if not uh, one single page that the stuff is grouped on. So we'll see how I do that. But because I'm only doing the two spreads, I think that's not enough work to do. I need, and the other work needs to get done anyway. So I may as well schedule for myself to do that as well. And uh, I do secretly have uh, my daughters working on um, the breastfeeding book. And uh, which is very appropriate because she started us on this whole breastfeeding journey as a as a baby, as a wee baron. Um, so she's working on the artwork for that, which is really neat. Um, so I'm hoping a kitschy, fun idea will be that the breastfeeding book was written for a breastfeeding mother by her husband who supported her in it, and uh, our daughter who was breastfed for as long as she was is the one who's going to do the work for. It. I, I think that's a, a cool story of the book. And I think the book is going to be good on its own. I like my daughter's art, uh, partly because I'm her father and partly because I think it's good. And uh, I like my words because uh, they got kicked around a lot. So there was a lot of editing and it's probably my third draft of the book that actually that I'm publishing or that I'm, you know, yes, that I am publishing. Uh, but anyway, that's going on in the background. Technically, it's, you know, on the back burner, whereas like the dragon book is just on hold and I'm not getting to that one yet. So anyway, I'm going to move on from there, talk about my completed works other than this work for... Um, you know, for moving the progress forward here for story over everything. I did no writing and no drawing. Uh, I'm not going to count my thumbnail sketches. Um, and, uh, I don't think I'm even going to count my, uh, my brainstorm session thing that I'm doing here. It's just a different animal. It doesn't count. I, I still want to be doing regular, uh, writing, you know, once a week or, you know, an hour a week or whatever it is, you know, an hour a day would be ideal, but I just, there's not enough time in the day for that. And I need to structure the way I'm doing things a little differently because it's, uh, I'm doing a lot of analyzing and not a lot of my own individual creative writing, and I think I need to flip the script and make more money on the now on. Well, I need to make more money to free up more time for myself eventually. But I've just I've committed to do certain things uh, to myself, uh, Lee Nether, and uh, I'm gonna see those things through probably before I change up the formula. But I'm thinking in the background of how I got to change things to make it more manageable for me until I turn this into a, a, an endeavor that really is uh, bringing something in for me to compensate me for the time I put. So anyway, we'll discuss that more later in the future. Um, but yeah, so no independent, no, no separate writing or drawing for this or, you know, besides this. Uh, although I did document my uh, thumbnail recording session, so I might do something with that, turn that into a piece of content, but we'll see about that. Um, maybe I'll save that for behind the scenes type stuff. But yeah, so I did analyze Common uh, Rider Black Sun episode one, uh, which you can find out more about that later. Uh, Avatar Sentai Don Brothers episode 35 and Common Rider Geats episode nine. So that is stuff I got done. Uh, clips for uh, two out of three for the, of those will be included in the lessons learned section coming up next. And uh, I'll actually just go ahead and toss it to myself there. And uh, yeah, I, I'll just tell you now, I did not have anything for uh, Geats episode nine. I'm not sure why, but I didn't. And that's just how it is. My lessons learned from Conrad Rider Black Sun episode one are this, or my lesson learned is this. Sympathy for a character can let them get away with a lot. I feel so badly for what 
was done to Nobuhiko and Kotaro, and they both feel like victims, that I am willing to overlook some of what they are doing. It helps that I don't know, or that I know I don't know all the facts, but they could turn out to be really bad people, but I'm still willing to assume the best of them. So, to put it in a bullet point, this lesson learned is wound your protagonist at go to garner sympathy and support from the audience. They will want to see him win, even if he has an ugly side. Okay, so I'm going to jump right into Fabula Ex Machina. Let's see, on my recorder, I'm showing 8 minutes 30 seconds. So at 18 minutes 30 seconds, I will stop myself from uh, working on this prompt to plan out this series. And I'm going to just throw stuff out here now, and then I will go back and make the actual bullet points uh, at some point, which is why I have, uh, you'll see if you look at the show notes, transcription pending, pending is in square brackets uh, under under the per, under the post or under the fabulous marking section. So anyway, here we go. So I have this Holy Heroes universe idea for a hunter. I'll go ahead and uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that was. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, I'll do a little storytelling first, and then I'll I'll uh, I'll sum up, and then I'll get into the actual thing, the actual exercise. So here we go. Uh, and actually, I'm going to push myself. I'll give myself another minute or two to tell the story, and then I'll start my 10-minute clock there, because I still have, a, I don't know, 20 minutes to get home or so. So anyway, here we go. So uh, I originally had planned on, well, I had originally, I like comic books, and these superhero stories in the Holy Heroes universe are very much inspired by comic books. And it struck me as interesting that you will have different versions of characters. And this started all the way back from when I had, I think, action figures, some of the cool Marvel action figures from the 90s with, like, the superposable Spider-Man with 32 points of articulation, which if you don't have a Spider-Man toy like that, why buy? And actually, I kind of think that the reason I got more into Marvel than DC is, one, the Spider-Man and X-Men and Fantastic Four and Iron Man and Hulk cartoons. Okay, it was a lot of cartoons, honestly. Um, were really, really cool. And while I liked Batman the Animated Series and uh, Superman was okay, and Batman Beyond was amazing. Uh, all of the DC action figures have a neck that swivels, shoulders, and maybe uh, hip joints. That's it. So your arms go up and down, your legs go up and down, so you can have your guys sit and like reach out or do, uh, uh, what's the exercise? Like V-ups. They can do V-ups, sort of, maybe, um, and turn their heads, and that's it. Versus you got 32 points of articulation Spider-Man so he can get in all his freakish spider-like poses. That's amazing. Why wouldn't you want that in your toy? You got a giant Ben Grimm figure that has decent amount of articulation, maybe like 16 points, somewhere around there, so he can move around a lot. Uh, I mean, I, I never got a, a Mr. Fan. I don't know why I had Ben Grimm and not like anybody else, but I always liked Ben Grimm from looking at my dad's old comics. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, uh, definitely was into that, but I did notice, I think, on some of the toys, or maybe it was on like the Marvel card collection thing, because I had a bunch of, like, the trading cards for some reason, um, which was very nice of somebody to get them for me, but I don't know why they were getting them for me, but whatever, I'm, I'm appreciative of it, um, but I noticed they would have, you know, so-and-so, and then, like, the number two next to the name, like, 
Green Goblin, no, uh, Green Goblin 2, Hobgoblin 2, Hobgoblin 3. Why are there so many of these guys? Why are there these different characters assuming the identity of this established character? That's interesting. I just found out about Hobgoblin, voiced by Mark Hamill, uh, you know, in the cartoon. It's amazing. It's super cool. I like this guy. He's a like kind of a scarier, crazier version of Green Goblin, even though Green Goblin is, you know, scary unto himself. But this guy's just like crazy, power-hungry, greedy, vicious dude, whereas, you know, Norman's... Well, he's just nuts. So, anyway, um, I got into, you know, I, I learned about, you know, mantles and, and characters, uh, you know, costumes or, and identities of different superheroes or even supervillains being assumed by multiple people over time. And I found that to be a really interesting idea. And then Captain America, you know, years and years go by, Captain America comes out. There's the, in the first Captain America movie, and I think it's in Avengers too, he has the classic costume, right? I mean, he has the fake goofy costume for when he's doing the propaganda films and the stage shows and stuff and then he gets like an actual uh costume you could say in that movie and then uh by you know winter soldier he's got that amazing costume um the modern one and it just struck me that oh that's interesting you have modern captain america you've got you know modern armor plated batman versus like just the the spandex or the fabric costumes that these guys have as well and i found that really interesting from a character design standpoint because uh I enjoy drawing superhero characters and, and designing them in their costumes and thinking about the practicalities of them and different things like that. And it, it all that all kind of fused together. The mantle stuff and the different characters or different interpretations of characters throughout time kind of dawned on me. And I thought, I want to make a knockoff Captain American combined with a Kamen Rider, which I've mentioned Kamen Rider already in this, so you may or may not know what that is. But basically, Karate Bugman... Um, super soldier type thing except he was an evil super soldier whose brain was saved from him being his brain was the last thing to change or to alter in his body because he was a cyborg uh, and then he would have been a villain but his brain was saved therefore his like human heart and soul were saved basically and then he became a warrior of justice uh and he defended the innocent against you know these terrible you know neo-nazi japanese <laughs> uh people who were trying to take over the world uh he was a, a japanese man himself so anyway, I got this notion. What if I made a golden age superhero who was turned into a who was picked back up and turned into a silver age superhero, then a bronze age superhero, and then a 90s extreme totally rad to the max superhero. I'll make it, you know, Comrade's a bug, I'll make this a bird, and I'll make them all have a similar power source which is like this gem that absorbs light. It somehow like absorbing light turns it into like gravitational energy or something like that. That was the basic premise behind behind this bird character I have, and I actually was gonna have it be one character with many permutations throughout time, and then I split it off and said no, these are four different characters in four different eras, and that's how they exist now in this Holy Heroes universe, which spans about a century of history, and <coughs> um, which you're getting some deep insights into the Holy Heroes universe right now. So if uh, you know, God willing, this becomes a success. You'll have the inside track to, and you know, some insights into it, uh, starting right now. So listen up. Um, but anyway, uh, I wanted one to be, I wanted them all to be birds. I originally think I wanted them all to be eagles, but I eventually, uh, made the classic, uh, like golden age guy. He's an American war hero type guy, like, uh, you know, like Captain America. Um, and, uh, he's such a bomb suit. Uh, it was yellow, <laughs> I think. Yellow with uh, purple, I believe. 
Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll put up, maybe I'll put up the design in the show notes or in the, on the video version. Cause I can do that. Cause I'm the master of things here. Anyway, it was, uh, he had, <laughs> if you've ever seen castle in the sky, the Dola gang, they wear these goggles that are, that basically have like a beak nose type thing on them, which looks really cool. So I took that, I gave him metal, a super simple suit, uh, like a union suit, one piece, you know, flight jackety type or flight suit type thing with like silver gauntlets on him, uh, feathers that come out and he can throw like ninja star type stuff. Like, you know, like Mark from Gachamon, um, or battle of the planets rather. And for some reason I really like, uh, harnessy type things like what you would wear if you were going to be on wires in like, uh, I know, like a Kung Fu movie with wires, you know, wire foo. Anyway, I like that kind of stuff, uh, which is actually kind of reminiscent of if you've ever seen Attack on Titan, the gear that those, uh, the, what is it, the Survey Corps wears? Anyway, kind of similar to that. So I'll put a picture up of it so you can see it. But anyway, super cool. I imagine him being like up on planes and then he would like jump over to enemy planes. He'd be like soaring on with solar energy or grav anti-grav stuff. And he'd like destroy, he'd like infiltrate and destroy enemy ships and stuff. And that's how he would save, you know, our boys fighting and wherever. Um, so anyway, that was really cool. And then I made, so it was an Eagle. Then, uh, the modern day was going to be the skater girl. Who's like kind of leading a punk rebellion, rebellion type thing. She's like a modern Robin hood, but she's like a pigeon and she wears a hood and she's a skater. I already said she's a skater girl. Um, and like, you know, in this really, you know, nasty town with a terrible oppressive government that's like just hurting the pores. And, uh, you know, she's a champion for the little guy. And, uh, anyway, that lady, I hope I didn't say her name already, but if I did, I'm going to let it. I'm going to ignore it, <laughs> except for I just lampshaded it. Um, and then the other permutations were going to be, uh, so we got the eagle, the pigeon. Oh, red tail. <laughs> I just named him. Whoops. <laughs> so there was this hawk guy, uh, who's like a mili like a modern military vet. Um, he was in whatever branch of the service. And, um, this is all changing now because I decided that with this Holy Heroes thing, it's going to like at 1901, the history of the world is going to shift into being my universe. So everything will pretty, pretty much be the same up until that point. But anyway, um, he, uh, uses the same thing. He flies on these like, uh, rainbow wings, basically. Uh, that's not an LGBT thing. It's just, it's, I love the idea of bending light and it would have to be, if you're bending light, you're going to create a rainbow out of that, I think. And he'll have these rainbow wings that he flies on or these like wings of light and he can like shoot laser blasts and stuff, stuff like it. Super cool. Anyway, all about bending and manipulating light. And I thought, what, what's the opposite? Like what, what else can you do with light? Oh, you can do shadows. So I have this owl guy who is able to control shadows, able to manipulate shadows, and he can like cloak himself in darkness and, uh, you know, shoot out little, you know, shadow projectiles or whatever, you know, it's comic books. So I'm doing that kind of stuff. And, uh, it occurred to me to give him a owl design that was based in something in the real world. So I found <clears throat> an older culture <clears throat> that does hunting. Uh, and all these heroes are, most of these heroes are not, or I don't know, maybe about half of the characters they created are in the U S and then half are abroad approximately. So it's an international crew. So he's in a country where they hunt to survive and they live interesting nomadic lives and things like that. And he has this kind of ethnic armor that has, you know, it's pulled from his culture, but it has this owl, uh, motif and design added on there. And he does his stuff in the shadows. So that's a little bit of background on that guy. So basically he is a hunter. Uh, this guy is in old times. He's in, I don't know, the 19 teens or maybe 1920s. I'm not hundred percent sure yet what era he's going to, I mean, I'm not sure on the exact decade, but he's somewhere in that area. So he's in the first era of these stories and he is a hunter. And <clears throat> The idea, I guess I'll just give spoilers for the whole dang thing. The I, no, I'm not going to do it. 
the idea is that he's hunting these animals from another world. And because of the time and place that he finds himself in, uh, and you know, the culture of you hunt, you kill, you eat, because you have to do that to survive, at least the first book is going to be a little rough. And I have plans for how things can change for the character and for the, the characters who get this mantle passed on to them. Because um, <clears throat> there will be that happening, but it's more of a lineage. So it's the same name, the same relative role, but it will change and it will transform over time um, as I feel is appropriate. Uh, not that the character won't... I'm not going to say the character won't be hunting in the future, but it'll be different and I'll have a different context to it a little bit but still you know basic survival needs are important so anyway here we go <clears throat> um, the idea is the the arc of the of the character through time is going to be that they go from a hunter to a tamer to to sort of a, a conservationist and game warden and then finally to a a wizard I'm not sure why I jump from from those things to a wizard, uh, but I do, and that's just how things are going to go. But anyway, within the arc of this hunter, and I don't know how many stories, I had originally planned on doing 12 stories. These are pulp novels, so I don't know, 50,000 words, um, I think is appropriate for a pulp novel, uh, but you know, tell one juicy story uh, with each one and, and have a great high adventure. But for the first one, I think the guy is starving, he and his family. Uh, are low on provisions for whatever reason. It, for natural reasons, it was a bad year, so they're low on reserves. He's out on his own. He's been married to his wife for a couple years, and they're living out where they're living, kind of separated from her family and his family. Um, not, like, imperialistically expanding their territory, but just like, hey, you have your own family. You can go off now farther and settle here, and that's how the culture is. Everybody kind of goes off a little distance from where they grew up, and they settle, uh, and they... Uh, take more of the land and it's not that they're well they're they're kind of nomadic so it's like you know we're settling and spreading these areas uh as time goes on and you know they're kind of they get areas get neglected and are rough and they're undiscovered because as the nomadic people trek through they have kind of common uh byways and highways that they use but then again <coughs> things fall out of use for different reasons and i want this guy to kind of be in a weird area because i want there to be a key to another world or an opening to another world that opens for whatever reason at whatever time I'm not 100% sure but the idea is that he and his family have been having a hard year for a hard couple years and he's out on his own <coughs> you know younger hunter uh, providing for his family and you know shepherding a flock or whatever if, if that is necessary as well or if that's appropriate as well I'll have to do a little bit of research for that but it's been lean and it's especially lean and things are getting critical because a great creature has come has come from across uh, has crossed through this veil into the other world and they are an invasive species slash super predator because of the particular cunning that these creatures have and uh, there's no natural predator for it so it's able to dominate and take over the ecosystem basically and it massacres people's uh, or it massacres the animals that are naturally there that are endemic there or well, I don't know if it's endemic or just the ones that happen to be living there at the time. And it's basically wreaking havoc and it's like messing things up. So basically, at the end of this book, this guy is going to be a heroic hunter. The first book anyway, because he kills this great beast. Now, that's basically what I want to have for the end of the story. But I don't know if that's sufficient. And uh, I've already done this with one character, my Noir Angel character. And uh, I planned out a 12 book series for her and 
I, I think I really like what I did. I, her emotional arc in book one is the same as her emotional arc in book 12, but she's in a completely different station in life, and she's gone through all these different things. And at the end, she comes to, term, to, come to terms with the same issue or topic in a different way, and uh, it sees her to the end of her journey, essentially. So, I like that idea, and I like the idea, of course, I've never planned out a series, and like, I didn't finish the Harry Potter series, The Hobbit, or, and, or The Lord of the Rings is really just one book, so, like, I don't feel like that's fair, so I'm a little short on, like, series that have a beginning, middle, and end over, you know, a course of whatever, but I've, I've looked into and I've done research on it, and it seems like you want that theme to be echoed, you know, you want that theme in the first book and the last book and for the, the emotional arc to be repeated basically to enforce, you know, who the character is. And if you want a series, you have to mix it up and in between the first and the last book, whether that be the, you know, fourth book, the seventh book or the 30th book, you need to have other things happen to the character and other emotional arcs and journeys that they go on. And you might be wondering what kind of emotional arc a hunter can go on. And that's something I'm wondering too for myself. So basically he slays this great beast and he's a hero for that in kind of the more traditional uh not nomadic people but like you know tribal people kind of way and that's fine i'm i'm happy with that being like the a plot you know the external threat is he has to slay this great beast um and I don't know what the internal struggle is. Is the internal struggle that he lacks confidence because he is this newer hunter and he feels like he's failing his family? Is that what it is? Because what I wrote last week, um, extemporaneously, was basically that he is less than thrilled with the fact that he's struggling. And that he is, <clears throat> excuse me, he is basically refused to take stores and provisions for himself because he wants to feel that hunger to egg him on to make sure that he's sharp and taking this as seriously as he possibly can to make sure that he comes through for the family back home and I like that idea and it feels like part it feels halfway self-destructive and half, halfway like sacrificial and noble which I feel good about because this guy was originally going to be the uh, anti-hero um I was basically excuse me I was basically going to have one hero who's like a paragon and who uh, like literally uses the power of light in order to, you know, like that's their power. Their power is based in light or like holiness or angelic stuff. And then, and so like this like bright, positive, you know, expanses, expansive, loving, like joyful thing. And then I wanted one character <laughs> in each generation of, of these four eras that I'm doing to be like darker and broodier. And I guess kind of like a Superman and a Batman, but like even more so direct uh, than that, I think. Uh, like more blunt about it, um, and that's who this guy was supposed to be. And now I have a, I have another guy who's more, even more of an antihero than this guy. But an antihero, like I discussed previously on Story Over Everything, isn't someone dark and edgy. They're just somebody who lacks traditional qualities. So, you know, in a previous generation, a hunter would have been seen as this great noble hero. Uh, but nowadays, you know, to a modern audience, he would seem less like that. So I can make him kind of my antihero. Uh, but you know, I don't want to have. Uh, well, I mean, there has to be a mix. So, you know, there's going to be a whole gradient among my characters in each generation that mostly, I, I mean, I want them all to be good, noble people uh, to whatever extent, 
or to varying degrees, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So I don't know what his deal is going to be. Maybe he'll be more pragmatic. Maybe he'll be, yeah, he'll be a hero, but he'll be kind of like a folk hero where it's more about might being, might making right and like strength being the thing that matters, external strength. But maybe I can find a way to have that external strength be rooted in his internal strength. And maybe as an emotional arc uh, for, maybe what I can do is have the theme in the first and the last story for him be that he has to overcome this beast, you know, by hunting it and killing it, but maybe, and you know, hunting isn't just killing, hunting is uh, tracking, hunting is pursuing, hunting could be capturing, so maybe I can have a difference there be that, you know, in one book he hunts and kills, and in another book he hunts and captures, or maybe he hunts and has no choice but to kill, or tries not to kill, and he ends up having to do it, and uh, maybe I can explore the same theme from different angles in the uh, I guess the bookends uh, of his series, but what am I going to do in the middle? I'm not 100% sure of that. As I stated previously, so uh, yeah, I mean, th so what have I produced this episode so far? One is that I think I want the the journey. Oh, you know what? Oh, woo, woo. What if it's his first hunt and his last hunt? And maybe because this is about bringing up the next generation, maybe. Oh man. Does this guy have a kid get killed? Anyway, um, if he's bringing up the next generation, then, or if I want this to be something that's literally passed on as a lineage, and that this guy who accidentally discovers this other world, and who ends up becoming a guardian and, you know, caretaker of it um, in different ways, you know, maybe he uh, has to pass on his knowledge and, like, oversee a hunt for his successor, uh, that could be a cool thing to do. I really like that, actually, like, directly having that lineage, which, <sighs> I don't know. I'm out of time. I went way over time. I, I made this a lot longer than I wanted to originally, but uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, hopefully you enjoyed my anecdotes, but, yeah, I, uh, I need to go back to the drawing board. I definitely, I, I think, to keep this all straight, I, I have to go back at some point over the next couple days and uh, get my bullet points out and kind of start sketching out my ideas, and then just keep a long-running list on it through these posts until, and in you know, my own personal notes as well, until I have this all, all uh, you know, figured out exactly how I'm going to make the story work. I hope you enjoyed that. If you did, you can find more at mjmunoz.com, as well as my entire library of analysis, art, and fiction.